0: I ran into the book of Lamentations by accident. I was doing translation work for the Passion Translation and I didn't know much about the book of of Lamentations. I'd read it a few times. But when I had to translate it, I realized how beautiful it was. How many people here enjoy thrift shops like I do? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm one of those people. I love love going through a thrift shop because you never know what you're going to find. You find super expensive binoculars for 20 bucks or whatever it is, and just have these finds. And Lamentations was like that. I just thought, wow, this is a fantastic find in the Bible. And my appreciation for it has grown so much. And my appreciation for you folks, too, both online and here in person. I'm so grateful, and I can speak for Tamara, too, who's also one of our main teachers. We're so grateful that we have a congregation from the Philippines to Europe and everywhere in between in between, and a daughter church now in Canada, where people are really into going deep into the Word. I, I cannot tell you how much that blesses. It really does, because if you've been to church for more than a few years, you start to hear the same stuff over and over, and it's really fun to go deep and to kind of bake fresh bread every week, and not to rely on the same old stuff on a, on a regular basis. So we're going to look at Lamentations. And today's title is Good News and Bad News. I grew up watching Hee Haw. Now, that may, uh, may not shock you, uh, but I grew up in a small town, and we watched Hee Haw with no sense of irony. It was just like the people we knew. You know, it was just uh, we thought it was a real to And Archie Campbell was one of my favorite guys on Hee Haw, and he had a thing called Good News and Bad News. And he'd have somebody talking to him. They'd say, you know, I got a new car. Well, that's good. No, that's bad. They broke down on the way to town. That's bad. No, that's good. Good-looking girl picked me up. That's good. No, that's bad. She brought home to the family. family's weird. That's bad. No, that's good, because while I was there, I got a phone call. That's, that's good. That's bad. She says, well, the phone call, my uncle died and left me $50,000. That's good. No, that's bad. The tax man took away 25000 of it. That's bad. No, that's good. I wanted an airplane, and there was one for sale for $25,000. That's good. No, that's bad. That's bad because you buy a, you buy an airplane for twenty five thousand dollars. Don't work so good. I went up in the air and wings fell off. That's bad. No, that's good because I I'm falling through the air. But there was a, there was a there was a, a haystack there. That's good. No, that's bad. There's a pitchfork sticking up in the middle. Of it it, just, it, goes, <laughs> it goes on and on and on. And I actually know all of those routines by heart. So. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that and where, where are you tonight? That's another uh, song that they would sing over and over. And uh, yeah, just great stuff. Anyways, good news and bad news. And we have a lot of good news and bad news floating around. And we have the same events. And some people have a good spin on it, some people have a bad spin on it, a good interpretation, bad interpretation. And the Bible's full of both. And the Bible's also full of false prophets who preach bad news when there's good news and good news when there's bad news. And you can tell they're false by what happens. If they say something's going to be fine and it turns out not to be fine, those folks were false prophets. And if they say, hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, the other way around, it's good news and bad news. And we all have to face this all the time because we hear nothing but interpretation nowadays in the news and on social media. And we have to decide is this accurate? Is this interpretation a spin or is this really going on? What's God really doing right now? And how can we tell? So we're going to look at good news and bad news today and how to tell the difference and when to believe in good news and when to believe in bad news. Because there are times when things are bad and we should believe in bad news. And there are times when things are good and we should believe in good news. So how do we discern from all the voices out there? Because in America now, no matter what happens, there's two voices. There's good and bad. And sometimes the good news is right. Sometimes the bad news is right. Oh, we're going to get another wave of COVID. Maybe, maybe not. Oh, the stock market's going to crash. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know these things. So how can we tell where God is at work and in our lives too? Because sometimes bad news, as Archie Campbell would say, is really good news, and good news is really bad news. So in 587 BC, just a quick review for those of you new to the wealth, 587 BC, 400 years of Israelite history came crashing down. The Babylonians, the superpower of the day, came crashing into Judea and leveled the city, ripped down the temple, burned the city, killed most of the people, took the rest of the people off into captivity in chains, including the king. Jeremiah had been telling them this for ages. The whole book of Jeremiah, he's warning them, folks, there's dry rot here and we're in trouble. And he warned them about two things. One was corruption. Corruption, by the way, never has been sustainable. You can't continue corruption without the whole system falling apart. If you participate in corruption of any kind, cheating, stealing, all the kind of things that go on, you run into all kinds of trouble. At a certain point, it collapses under its own weight. And also, the society had disintegrated. What's the word inside of disintegrate? Integrate. Integrate. If you have integrity, that means you have a single-mindedness and you aren't double-minded. And whenever a society has more than one God or more than one focus, it disintegrates. And Jeremiah is saying, you guys are corrupt and disintegrated, and the thing's going to fall apart from the inside. And that's what happens to our lives, too. When our lives, (laughs) who thinks in California that our lives could get disintegrated by too much stuff going on around us? real fast there's too much stimulation there's this there's that there's this there's that and when you have attention problems like i do it's a real problem because there's you know you could get pulled away by anything and so we deal with that and there's always the temptation to disintegrate to lose our focus on the lord and on his word and there's always a temptation to corruption And the farther up you move in any organization, the more tempting it is to be corrupt, to be a little bit lazy, to take a little bit more, to be a little bit more in charge of things. And they say power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And as we rise in society and in wisdom and in finances, it's tempting to be corrupt. John is a CPA, and he's worked with wealthy people. And some of the wealthiest people he's worked with, he's had to fire Because they were corrupt. And that happens at certain levels if you're not careful. Our country is very rich. Who thinks there's a temptation for corruption in a rich country? Real fast. It can happen. And so that's what Jeremiah is dealing with. And it's the whole pivot point of the Old Testament. Because you lose the temple. You lose the king. You lose the country. You lose Jerusalem. You lose all that stuff. Who are we then? Was our God even real? Because he didn't protect us from the Babylonians. What do we believe in? You know, all of that kind of stuff. So, we're on, right now, we're on Lamentations 3. This is the capstone chapter. This is Jeremiah showing off. This is a triple acrostic poem. The most sophisticated poem we have written in the Hebrew language. It's a triple alphabet poem. Uh, as Tim Fay was saying, he's the top rapper. He gets on the stage and he shows what he can do here. this He's showing off. He's such a potent writer. And it doesn't come across in the English. But there's 66 verses, 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and he starts each verse with that letter, and he does it three times, boom, boom, boom. Then he does B, boom, boom, boom. Then C, boom, boom, boom. Then D, boom, boom, boom. He doesn't do it. In English letters, it's Aleph Beit Gimel, but still, you get the idea. And so he's just really hitting it here, and he expresses pain like nobody else. He is not a person, oh, everything's fine when the place is crashing. He's been thrown into a pit, by the way, because not by the Babylonians, but by his friends, because who wants to be the bearer of bad news? Nobody. Uh, you, you bring bad news, and people punish the, the messenger often. Who here has had that happen to them when they've had to, you know, yeah, exactly. You get punished for doing something. I've often got sent in large organizations to go fire people. That's no fun. You get sent to go do that and, you know, and they don't like you ever again. It's it's hard stuff. So this is the capstone. And Jeremiah, remember, good news, bad news? Jeremiah is the bad news guy. And most of the prophets leading up to Lamentations were good news guys. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. We've been here for 400 years. Nothing's really that bad. Yeah, we've made some mistakes, but we're basic. The bones of this society are still good. We're still good here. We might have some cracks in the in the wall, but we can take care of that with some putty. We, we can fix this stuff. And Jeremiah's is saying, no, no, no. The foundation is rotten. You've disintegrated and you're corrupt. And this is going to bring you down from the inside. There is no country in the world powerful enough to conquer the United States. If the United States goes down, it's going to be from the inside. It almost happened in the 1860s. Bloodbath of a civil war almost went down from the inside. Lincoln said a, a house divided cannot stand. It's disintegrated. We didn't have a sense of values that we agreed on as a country. Free states, slave states, all that stuff, and it just fell apart. So Jeremiah was the bad news guy, and most of the prophets were good news guys. And they kept saying, hey, call Yahweh, hey, call Yahweh, hey, call Yahweh. The temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, literally in Hebrew, the powerhouse of the Lord. As long as the temple's here, we're fine. Folks, it's only a building. If God leaves the temple, guess what it is? It's just a building, just a building. And that can happen really quickly. So, sometimes, however, the good news prophets are the right ones. So how do you know? Let's look at Exodus 14, 13 through 14, if you want to look that up. Let me paint a picture for you. The Israelites are on the banks of the Red Sea. They're about to leave Egypt. Red Sea is the border. The chariots are showing up because Pharaoh has changed his mind and decided to come after them. You're sitting there with your kids, and the water's lapping up against your toes, and uh, Moses says, we're going to be fine. And you're going, right. Most of the people are saying bad news. This is about as bad as it gets. We're up against the water. We're going to either drown or we're going to be killed by the Egyptians. And the bad news people had the upper hand. And what does Moses say? Moses says, verse 13, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. They're going, seriously? What are we going to do here? And look what he says here in verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Who is right? The good news people or the bad news people? The good news guy. The sea parted. They walked through. And the sea closed on the Egyptians. And they never saw them again. And on the other side, they pulled out their tambourines and danced. And Miriam led the dance. And away they went. And they were pretty happy. That was a turning point for Israel. So sometimes the good news people are right. Sometimes the bad news people are right. How do we know what to listen to? How do we know what to pay attention to? Ask yourself the question. You are in Jerusalem. You're a resident of Jerusalem in 588 B.C., one year before this happens. You're hearing good news and bad news. A majority of the prophets are preaching good news. One is preaching bad news, Jeremiah. and He seems a little cranky anyways, so you don't know if you really want to listen to this guy. So majority rules? Here's the problem with democracy. As Winston Churchill said, democracy is the best or is, is the worst form of government there is, excepting all others. And there's a real problem with democracies. Democracies can be wrong. The majority can be wrong. The ma- folks, Hitler was elected. The majority can be wrong. It can happen. And in this case... The majority can be wrong, and the majority was wrong. The majority thought the temple of the Lord will protect us. Jeremiah says, not on your life. You're going down, and they went down. And so it happened. What about your temperament? My wife calls me a militant optimist. So I tend towards believing good news, which I think is a pretty good way to live in general. But on the other hand, I've sometimes missed bad stuff because I've ignored it. Now, if your temperament, on the other hand, is we're all going to die, we're doomed, kind of Eeyore, if that's your natural temperament, you're going to be biased towards bad news. So you have to correct for your bias. I have to be more open to bad news, and some of you have to be more open to good news. You've got to be more objective. And we think we're all objective, don't we? But our temperament biases us. Our political stance biases us. Our economic standing biases us. Who's heard the phrase, people vote their checkbook? That biases our voting from time to time. And we often don't look at things objectively. And so this is something Matt deals with as a reporter, trying to be as objective as possible. Because Matt, like everyone else, has biases. And he has to correct for those. When I was on the radio, we were always trying to correct for confirmation bias, which means... You listen to all the people that agree with you, and you ignore all the stuff that does not Who thinks that's rampant in this country right now? Lots and lots of confirmation bias. If you hate Biden, then everything he does is horrible. If you hate Trump, everything he did was horrible. And you just look for things to prop up your opinion. We do it all the time. This is what we call in philosophy epistemology. Epistemology is the study of what is really true and what can we know. And it's important to understand that we all have to be philosophers sometimes. I asked my my college uh, advisor, who was a philosophy professor, Kurt Huber, also a Lutheran pastor. I asked him, "How would you define philosophy?" And I just loved his definition. And he was he was a like a chain smoker, who had big eyebrows, and kind of gruff Chicago guy. He says, philosophy, nothing more than An unusually stubborn attempt to think clearly. There it is. Just an unusually stubborn attempt to think clearly. You really go after the truth. And that's what we do here at The Well. We really go after the truth that's in the Bible. We don't just (laughs) pick a few verses and say, okay, there's this, there's this, and uh, that proves what I say. We try to get into the Word in a deeper way. I have never heard a sermon series on lamentations. I don't think, I don't know if there are any. So you can rest assured, we're not copying anyone on this one. This is uh, this doesn't happen out there. But we're going into a very deep, deep stuff. We're in deep water here. We're in the deep end of the pool, and this church likes to be in the deep end of the pool. So, how do we, how do we pay attention? How do we discern whether we should believe the good news or the bad news when something's happening? Is everything going to get better? Is everything going to get worse? What are we going to believe? Two things. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we as a trustees team here have done that more and more. And it's really benefiting us in a big way. At the beginning of our meetings, we don't start with business. We start with listening for the Lord. And it goes for a long time. And sometimes we hear stuff that surprises us, and it changes the course of where we're headed. We do the same thing over here at the Bible study. We had a great turnout there this morning. And we spend time listening, for the, from the, listening to the Lord for what he has to say for today. And a lot of the things I'm going to say today come out of that Bible study. So we want to be listening for the direct communication of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned that once to a professor in seminary. He said, listen to the Holy Spirit. You think you got some kind of direct pipeline to God? And I said to him, you don't? We all do. We all can listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's an equal opportunity employer. Everybody gets to play. And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit often says things that our temperament wouldn't. Holy Spirit often sounds a lot like my wife's voice, but that's a whole other thing. uh, The other thing is God's Word. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about this? What does the Holy Spirit say, and what does the Bible say? If we take those two things we can discern whether we should believe in the good news or the bad news because we're always going to hear both. So if we listen to those things, and if we just listen to the Holy Spirit, we'll burn up. If we just look at the Bible and study, 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 we'll dry up. But if we we listen to both, we're going to grow up. And I think that's so important to be a Bible-based and also a Holy Spirit-based church. So that's what we want to look at. And the Bible even says that. In John 8:31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in what? The word. Tamara puts out Bible passages every single day. And we've got the little booklet out there, and I hope you're following along with those things, because if you get <laughs> in the word every day, it keeps us from disintegrating. This is why weekly church attendance is so important, and it's blessed me. I've gone to church my whole life, and it really has blessed me because it keeps us on track and keeps us, it's basically a weekly integration session where we try to move towards integrity. And if you miss it for a few weeks, you can really be kind of off in left or right field pretty quick. To spend an hour on Sunday morning, well, we go an hour and a half sometimes, but an hour and a half. Focusing on the main thing keeps us focused in the right direction. So the Bible says we should look at the Bible. And the same book of the Bible says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you what things? Some things? All things. That's what I thought it said. And bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. If we have the Holy Spirit and the Word, we can start to discern whether we should believe the good news or the bad news. Because sometimes we should believe the good news, and sometimes we should believe the bad news. Matt Miller from our men's group had the best insight this last week. We always study what we're going to teach on on Sunday, on Monday morning. And those of you men who would like to have a great Bible study, it's online, it's coast to coast. We had 13 guys there last week, and it's fantastic Bible study. 7 o'clock Pacific. Um... Matt Miller, who's the newest Christian in the, in the group, the, the has been the believer the least amount of time in this group. And he says, what I do, he says, is I look at people saying one thing about good news and people saying one thing about bad news, and the one that requires action in line with the Bible is the one I tend to do, rather than the one that requires sitting on your hands. Because An object at rest will tend to stay at rest. And when Moses said, hey, the chariots are coming, which required action? Stepping into the Red Sea. When Jeremiah said, it's bad news, we need to turn around, which required action? Turning around. And they both, well, the Israelites believed, and the folks in Jerusalem didn't. Which requires action on our part? Which requires us to take a step of faith? Which requires us to do something that might be uncomfortable? I thought that was a pretty good insight. So that also helps, along with the Holy Spirit and along with the Word, to ask ourselves, good news, bad news, which requires Christian action? Which requires action in line with what Jesus would do? Rather than which one allows me to sit on my Lazy Boy, eat chips, and watch Netflix. There's... Usually the one that has action has something to do here with the truth. So that's the good news, bad news thing. So how do we discern with the Holy Spirit, with the word? And also kind of a good insight from Matt, which one requires action? Which one requires action on our part? So Lamentations, chapter 3, which we're on right now is the Mount Everest of the Old Testament. There is no chapter more beautifully written, no chapter more profound, no chapter with more pain, no chapter with more faith. Both. And Jeremiah says it's bad news. It's really bad news. It's awful news, but there's really good in the middle of it. Here it comes. And nobody says it better than he does. If you're afraid to look darkness in the eye, you may miss the silver lining. And he's looking darkness in the eye because it doesn't get any darker than it did for Jeremiah. And in our lives, sometimes we get those dark places. And I've been with some of you when you've been in those dark places. And it happens to everybody. And if it hasn't yet, it will. We face hard stuff in this life. Relationships fall apart. Black ink turns into red ink in our checkbook. Our vocation, the wheels fall off the car sometimes with our vocation, and we don't know what to do. Our health, we get a diagnosis that's just like, whoa, where did that come from? There's a couple in our couples group. I won't name them since we're on the air, but they've been hit with diabetes, cancer, chemo, all this stuff. And this is a fairly young couple for this kind of stuff. Boom, 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 all of this stuff all at once, and shingles on top of it. And sometimes you get years like that where these things happen. And unless we're able to be honest about things when they're bad, we often can't see the good that's in them. Denial is not spiritual. Oh, everything's fine. The Lord will take it. It's not fine. There are times when my least favorite Bible verse is a Bible verse that isn't in the Bible. God will never give you more than you can handle. Tell that to Job. Tell that to Jesus. Tell that to all the prophets. They all ended up in positions where they couldn't handle it and needed the Lord. God often gives us stuff. Wendy? Wendy has a new version. Ooh, God never gives us more than he can handle. Now, that is true because who thinks God can handle everything? Clap, clap, clap. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lamentations 3. We read the whole chapter in our prayer meeting this morning. It is dark. It is dark, dark. Wendy and I once went into a gold mine in Julian. And we went deep into this gold mine. And then they turned off all the lights. And I'd never seen anything that black in my life. Nothing. It's just black. That's what Lamentations 3 is like. And in the middle of this blackness, comes this verse in the middle of the chapter. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. thinks this has a lot more street cred because of what he's going through. Anybody can say this when things are going well. At the absolute pit of the Old Testament comes the seed of faith which made the New Testament possible. It all hangs on Jeremiah. He's the one carrying the whole heritage of Israel, the United States. And it takes incredible faith. When the city's burning, the king's been taken away in chains, most of the people have been killed, temple's gone, and he's in a cistern and put there by his friend. Yeah. Great is thy faith. There are, go to the next slide if you would, one before that, the coin, there we go. Justice has two sides. People say, well, God was awfully angry in the Old Testament. Folks, God was extremely patient in the Old Testament. And God's anger is always just justice being meted out. Who thinks a good parent occasionally needs to be pretty firm? There are times when you need to be firm. I remember the Star Trek Next Generation. If you remember Worf, who is the security guy, he was asked, how come you're such a strict parent? Klingon children need a strong hand. I thought that was a great line. You parents can use that if you need to. But uh, justice has two sides. If God is just in punishment, God will also be just not letting evil get the last word. Let me say that again. This is the insight of Lamentations 3. If God is just in his punishment, he will also be just in not letting evil get the last word. This is arguably the most brilliant insight of the Old Testament. And it was the seed of faith which basically nurtured Israel back to hell. Often it depends on one person. What if you're that person? I think we all have what it takes to do what he did. Let's go to the next slide and it says what I just said. Let's read this out loud. One, two, three. Because God has shown to be consistent enough to keep his promise of justice against evil, therefore God will be consistent in his promise not to let evil get the last word. That's what he says in chapter 3. Great is his faithfulness. You see this little sprout coming out of a chopped off tree. Israel had been cut down. But Jeremiah sees the little sprout coming out. And the key when something in your life gets chopped down is to look for the sprout. Be honest about the tree that's been chopped down. Don't pretend like it hasn't. Oh, the tree's fine. No, it's not. It's been chopped down. And sometimes that happens to us in life. That God is faithful to bring back life. What did he do after the crucifixion? There was, Jesus was cut down. Real death. He wasn't pretending. But on Easter, out comes the sprout. Every time there's a Good Friday, there's also an Easter. Always be looking for that to be coming back. You're a gardener. You know all about that. A little bit farther in Lamentations. Though he brings grief, he will show what? Compassion. So great is his unfailing love. Chesed. Chesed is the main word of the book of Psalms. It is what David is in pursuit of during every psalm. He starts out messed up and goes after chesed. Is God's grace for me still there? Is his favor still there? And he usually finds it. It's a powerful, powerful word, and Jeremiah uses it here. His compassion, his chesed will still be there. The sprout will come out, come out of that chopped off tree. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. I'm going to invite the worship team up. So this has to do with us. Many of you are here because you've come back from. Horrific things because you were able to see the sprouts in the cut off tree stump. Some of you have these things right around the corner. What this church is about, wherever you are, anywhere in the world, is about helping each other through those things and getting into the word and taking strength from the book of Jeremiah. I can't read the middle of chapter 3 without getting choked up because I realized what he's going through. I've been through some pretty bad stuff. And the Lord has always been faithful during those times. And he's not faithful by telling us to deny what's going on. He's faithful by doing a new thing within the middle of it. And I just want to ask you to be the kind of person will always look for God's faithfulness because if he's just enough to bring down all kinds of things and to fight against evil and to administer justice, he's also faithful enough to bring us new life. I invite you to stand and we'll pray. we give you thanks for Jeremiah. He uh, was sort of the last man standing here. He came through. And his courage gives us courage to face the big challenges of life. The Lord, great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. And Lord, we give you thanks for the faith of those who went before us, who shared faith with us, those people who inspired us by their faith. We pray, Lord, that you would give us a spirit of discernment when we hear good news and bad news all around us, so we can tell which is which, which is true. Lord, our country lacks discernment right now, and we need discerning people, and we need to be those discerning people who can say things are bad when everyone says it's good and say things are good when everybody says it's bad, uh, depending on what you tell us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. Bring us deep into your word, Lord, that we might gather all the wisdom that we can. As Bill was saying in the Bible study this morning, that. As we get older, we can share those things with younger people. Lord, give us people that we can share wisdom with this week. For we will meet people who are in the pit this week. They may not tell us, but we will meet them. And we'll be able to minister a word to them, Lord. A word of hope. We give you thanks for Jeremiah, Lord. We give you thanks for restoring Israel, restoring the temple, restoring your people and bringing forth the sprout of Jesus from that cut off stump. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
1: Mercy never fails me, all my days, I've been held in your the moment that I wake up, till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am made, I will sing of the goodness. Your voice in the You are close like no other. Known you as a father, known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness. No. <laughs> you my life. My life, you have been able. all my life. You have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will see the goodness of God. I will see.
0: We're singing. He's been praying while we're singing. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, and, uh, the Holy Spirit asked me to ask Kathy to pray a blessing over me. <laughs> so
1: I hate it when he does that. Oh, Father God. Even when things are bad, we know that you are good and continue to be good. And that's why we can stand firm in the worst storms. Is Because we understand that circumstances may change, but your substance is the same. Lord, I ask that you remind us of that this week as we get buffeted about by the storms of life, and I ask that you keep us safe, keep us healthy, and all of our our extended family who isn't feeling all that healthy, Lord, that you would heal them
0: completely. Amen. Holy Spirit was right in picking Kathy to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. There's one rule we have here. Uh, You have to eat everything before you go home. So. And please talk to somebody you don't know that well. Walk up to someone and say, uh, tell me your name, tell me what you're doing this week, and uh, connect with everybody. It's so important that we connect with each other. That's a big key. So eat eat a lot of food and uh, and help Jeff clean up, too, when we're done.